Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Always lovely when you get a response to that. It is lovely to see you all this afternoon. Um, I hope you're all doing okay. Um, for any of you who might not know me, um, I'm Rachel. Um, my husband Jim and I, as he's just kind of said the other side of, um, together we lead Kingdom Vineyard. And this, if you have been with us for the past couple of weeks, this is our third week in our Advent series. And this year, as you may also know, we are using this fantastic piece of art um, by my lovely friend Shin um, to think about what the Christmas story means for us. So week one, Lizzie started us off fantastically and she looked at the bottom right of the picture um, with the weeping women. And together with Lizzie, we looked at how Advent is a time of waiting, a time of realizing that the world is full of pain and suffering and longing for things to get better. Then last week, Alistair zoomed in on the shepherds in the center, looking up towards the angels and that fantastic starry sky. He invited us to experience the glory of God, the wow factor of God's mercy, compassion, and comfort to all who are willing to receive it. And this week, I'm gonna make a beeline right for the middle of the picture. What we see here is Mary and Joseph holding baby Jesus, and all three of them surrounded by what looks like fiery branches of a tree. Jesus is pretty much the smallest person in this picture, and yet everything is pointing towards him in the center. He's a tiny baby, but everyone around him feels the effects of his presence is like. Jesus is with each and every one of them. And one of Jesus' names, in fact, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I want to spend some time thinking about what that means for us today. Jesus is God the Son, which means that people meeting him, as Jesus, was the very best insight we have into God's character. Reading what it was like for Jesus to be born and live a human life tells us so much about what it means for God to be with us here today. And I don't know if you've ever come across this, but it turns out actually that different people have wildly different ideas about what it means to spend time with someone or be with someone. For some people, their ideal way of spending time with a friend or a spouse is sitting on the same sofa, but doing completely different activities in total silence. A little bit like when, for example, Caitlin comes over and we watch a cheesy Christmas movie and fall asleep in the middle of it. That, for me, is time well spent. Whereas people like Jim, for example, insist, for some reason, that being with people actually has to involve some kind of interaction, preferably in the form of a board game. <laughs> Don't tell him, but I do actually think he's probably onto something with that. Thankfully, I don't think we have to work quite as hard to figure out what it means for God to be with us. Because Jesus' life on earth has shown us exactly what this is like, beautifully and clearly. So today, I want to focus on three things that I see in this picture and which connect to Jesus' life on earth 
that tell us about what it looks like for God to be with us. I think, firstly, that Jesus' life on earth shows us that God is with us in our suffering. Secondly, that we get to experience more of God's kingdom. And thirdly, that we are given power to share God's love with those around us. My first point, then, that God is with us in our suffering, was prompted by those fiery-looking branches surrounding Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the center of the picture. You might be familiar with the story of Moses and the burning bush from the Bible, which is what this part of the image reminds me of. In this story, a guy called Moses was sent by God to rescue his people, the Israelites, from Egypt, where they were being terribly treated and desperately needed to be set free. Unsurprisingly, Moses was pretty daunted by the task at hand. So, God shows up in a burning bush to offer some reassurance. This is what God says to Moses in Exodus. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses then replies to God with a version of, why me? And God says to him, I will be with you. This story tells us that God sees the suffering of his people and works to do something about it. He doesn't want those people living in slavery under the Egyptians for the rest of their lives. He wants them in a land of milk and honey, a place where they will have all that they need. And Moses has a difficult mission ahead of him to rescue them. There's no avoiding that. But he goes with the reassurance of hearing God say, I will be with you. Fast forward quite a few hundred years, and I think we see the same pattern in the life of Jesus. Just as God sent Moses to the suffering Israelites, God sent Jesus to a hurting world. Jesus living alongside us was God the Son, choosing to wade right into the brokenness to bring comfort and healing. And while he was here, Jesus experienced very real human pain, like having his closest friends let him down, walk away from him, and even completely betray him. And he knew real grief and loss. There's a story in the Bible about a man called Lazarus. He's a friend of, he is a friend of Jesus, and he dies. The miraculous end to the story is that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But not before Jesus himself has cried at the grief of losing his friend. The people 2,000 years ago who met Jesus met a real, human, feeling, loving friend. A man who knew what it meant to lose and to grieve. Jesus was alongside people in their grief and suffering, and he is still alongside us in ours. 
God being with us, unfortunately, doesn't mean an easy life or an escape from the brokenness of the world. But it does mean having the creator of the universe on our side, sitting next to us, weeping with us, as well as working for good in our lives and promising that one day things will be better. And Advent, this season that we are walking through at the moment, Advent is about waiting for this day when things will be better. It's about knowing that the world isn't as God wants it to be, and about holding on to hope that God is with us in the midst of our pain. Secure in the knowledge that one day there will be an end to everything that hurts. The book of Revelation, Jesse's favourite, promises that in the new heavens and the new earth, God's home will be among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. God with us, fully, forever, and no more suffering. Speaking personally, I feel like this year I've come to understand the uncomfortable reality of waiting for this time of no more crying or pain better than I ever have before. Just after Christmas last year, I discovered that I had an ectopic pregnancy, which is a condition that is unsurvivable for the baby and life-threatening to the mother. The joy and relief of finding out I was pregnant after years of trying very quickly turned into panic, scans, tests, and emergency surgery. Our excited anticipation turned into grief. And that grief has turned into some really painful waiting. We don't know whether we will be blessed with children, but Jim and I, we pray and we try our very best to hold on to hope, knowing that God is with us in this seemingly never-ending waiting. And actually knowing that there is a very real possibility that God will work a miracle and we will have children of our own one day. Either way, whatever the outcome to that story, I've never been more certain that God is with me. I've seen him minister to me so powerfully through amazing medical professionals, I don't know how they do it, and through my friends. And I feel a sense of hope that I just am so certain has not come from me. Waiting is really, really hard. And there's no way around that. And I just want to say to any of you out there who have experienced or are currently experiencing the very specific kind of waiting and grief that comes with infertility or baby loss. I see you, I stand with you, and my heart breaks for you. And we've talked about 
live and praying for people at the end of our service. If you would be comfortable with us praying for you at the end, then no pressure, but we would absolutely love to do that. What it means for God to be with us in our suffering is that we can all experience the immense comfort of knowing that we're not alone, even in dark and painful times. Because Jesus, who knows exactly how much it hurts, is right there with us. Whatever waiting might look like for you, I invite you to ask him to meet you there. He is already with you and with us. And at times when we might struggle to feel that, God has given us this community called the church to stand alongside us, to show us what it looks like for God to be with us. And that's why we ask, that's why we ask people to pray with us at the end of our services every week. And we'd love to do that for you this week, if you like, as I've said. Because knowing that God is with us can be as much a group activity as it is a solo one. Moving on to my second point. God being with us means that we get to experience more of God's kingdom here and now. We get to see more of that weeping for joy at the bottom left of Shin's picture. The world is not as God wants it to be. And just like he wanted the Israelites to enjoy a land of milk and honey, his desire is for, for us is to live loving, peaceful, and just lives in union with God and with one another. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. We can be sure of this because Jesus, who was God the Son, lived a life that looked exactly like that. There are a few passages in the Bible written before Jesus was born that tell us what he was going to be like when he lived among us. My favourite of these is part of Mary's song, where the mother of Jesus herself describes God's plan for Jesus' life and works while he was still growing in her womb. This is Luke chapter 1, 50-55. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The sort of world that Mary is describing here is the sort that remembers God's loving intervention in the past and his promise to deliver in the future. God's kingdom, without the enemy muddling things up or our rebellion undermining it, is a kingdom of mercy, of gentle love not posturing for position, and of the hungry being fed. It's a kingdom that God promises to bring in, and has already begun to bring in when Jesus was born. 
Similarly, Isaiah 9 tells us that those who were walking in darkness saw a great light, and that Jesus would establish and uphold his kingdom with justice and righteousness, that he would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus was born, God's prophet Isaiah said that the great light that God was sending into the world would be mighty God. God promised that he would come and be with us and bring his kingdom. And Jesus' arrival was the fulfillment of that amazing promise. I said earlier that we can't escape the brokenness of the world, and that is true. But the good news is that when Jesus lived among his people, he brought in the kingdom of God by doing exactly what Isaiah and Mary said he would. Jesus cared so deeply for those around him. He was filled with compassion for those who were struggling. And he transformed people's lives by healing them physically and spiritually. He changed things. Matthew's story of Jesus' life tells us that Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far, far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all, and with that, a big cheer from KB kids. <laughs> they have impeccable timing. That's what it looks like to see more of God's kingdom. God loved us too much to just leave us to the consequences of a broken world. So he sent Jesus to bring healing to those who needed it. God being with us made a huge difference to the lives of those that Jesus met. I think it's important to remember as well that when Jesus healed people, this wasn't a distant God just trying to show everyone how much power he had. Jesus healed people because he saw the pain people were in and he wanted to set them free. He wanted people to experience God's kingdom on earth. There's a story about a man with leprosy in Mark's account where Jesus' Jesus's care for the person is so clear. Mark tells us, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Jesus did have great power to be able to do this, but also a huge, deep love for people and a desire to see them made well. Over and over, the gospel stories tell us that in Jesus' life, he was moved with compassion. And he uses a physical word to describe that sense of being moved with compassion. 
that I hear from people who know the language better than I do is well translated as the word gutted. Jesus saw someone in pain and was gutted for them. Jesus really cared, and he still does. When Jesus was born, he brought God's kingdom to earth in a new and powerful way. That means that glimpses of his kingdom are available to us here and now. There might be moments where we walk in darkness, but then we do also get to see that great light that Isaiah 9 talks about. Part of that light breaking through is us experiencing a Heavenly Father who deeply loves us in the big and the small things of life. The Bible tells us that, to paraphrase a verse in Matthew, that if we imperfect people know how to give good gifts to our children, imagine just how good the gifts our loving Heavenly Father gives us will be. Have you ever experienced something really unexpectedly great, like a spontaneous day out that turned into a really precious family memory? Like the sound of our littlest baby kids squealing for joy in a way that just fills us with huge amounts of joy. Perhaps a prophetic word from a friend that shows you that God knows your situation. Or a sore back miraculously healed. Maybe the delight in making a new friend you discover is just like you. And the kindness of strangers. These are all signs of God's kingdom breaking in. Glimpses of how he wants the world to be. A few years ago, Jim and I went on holiday with our best friends, Rick and Steph. It was a holiday we really needed in the middle of a pretty challenging year. So we decided to do a 10-day tour of northern Spain to visit five different cities and see quite how much Spanish omelette we could eat in that time. Turns out, quite a lot. It was always going to be a great holiday, but when we got to about halfway through, we felt fairly certain that we were experiencing some of God's amazing gifts that we weren't expecting. We got a free upgrade on our hire car, and we kept stumbling across the most amazing views that we had no idea were there. And without us having any idea of this, our visits to each of the five cities perfectly coincided with a local festival in each. So, for example, we came across Hugh Grant at a film festival in San Sebastián. We then went to Logroño, where the whole town square was full of people barbecuing meat. The smell was incredible. And then we got to Pamplona, and around every corner we went around, there would be tables, really long tables, full of like 10, 20, 30 men playing instruments and singing traditional Spanish songs all afternoon. Absolutely glorious. But it was all so unexpected, so unplanned, and it brought us so much joy. We just felt like God's smile was on our holiday, and that he was delighting in giving us good gifts. God's kingdom breaking in can happen in all sorts of different ways. Our festival-filled holiday was definitely one of them. It came at a time when we needed it, after a challenging season, and it was so restful, but more than that, it was filled with our Heavenly Father surprising us and delighting us. We didn't just have a nice holiday, 
we experienced a good God loving us extravagantly everywhere we went. So, whether it's a miraculous physical healing of someone who isn't well, or a restorative holiday full of ridiculous unexpected blessings, or anything in between, there are glimpses of God's presence, of the light breaking in right before our eyes. And that is because God is with us. So Jesus being born was God stepping into the world and bringing his kingdom and all that comes with it into the world. Though in Advent we wait for the kingdom to be fully rolled out and all the pain to be gone, we have seen the start of God's kingdom on earth and it is absolutely glorious. Thirdly, and my final point, God being with us gives us power to share his love with those around us. We all know how it turned out for Jesus. He suffered a brutal death on the cross, but the Christian story says he didn't stay dead. That he died the death we're dying, absorbing all of that pain and brokenness and sin, so that we could be raised with him in new resurrection life. Come back at Easter and we would love to tell you a lot more about that. In the 40 days between Jesus being raised back to life and him ascending to heaven, he visited his disciples. He gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit and instructed them to go and tell people the good news, that God loves them and that his kingdom is so close we can reach out and grab it. He promised them that signs would go with those who believe, that they would drive out demons and heal the sick, and Jesus' final words to his disciples, recorded in Matthew's Gospel, are this. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus was with his disciples. He promised to be with them even after he ascended to heaven. And he is still with us now. God's promise to be with us still stands. So too does his instruction and his power to go and share the good news. And he does all of this by filling his people with his own presence, who we call God's Holy Spirit. God still wants those of us who follow him to share him with those around us. And he still promises that miraculous signs will go with us. That means that we too can heal the sick, bring health and wholeness to places where it's lacking, be a peaceful presence when we're surrounded by anger and hurt, be a comfort to those who mourn. The list goes on. Because we know that God is with us, we can be a link between him and those who are suffering. And to link this back to Advent again, our waiting in hope for a world with no more suffering is something we're called to share. Like the shepherds, the wise men, and the joyful faces on the left of the picture, we too can point to the wonder that is God with us.
And even more than that, we carry the amazing news that better times are coming. That Jesus in the flesh will one day return fully and conquer the darkness once and for all. We can pass on our hope to those around us so that together all people can wait in hope and not in despair. Imagine the difference that would make to our homes, our villages, and our regions. God is with us. In our suffering, God is with us. Bringing his kingdom in, God is with us. In our work to share him with this hurting world, God is with us. God being with us is a game changer and it is worthy of those tiny little red exclamation marks above the shepherd's head in the picture. I want to finish this afternoon by asking this. Where do you need God to be with you this Advent season? Perhaps you're suffering in some way or someone close to you is suffering. You're waiting and hoping for things to get better and you could just really do with the reassurance that God is with you. Or perhaps you long to see more of God's kingdom breaking in here in East Fife. You're desperate to see justice for the marginalized and healing for the sick. Or perhaps you have a burning passion to get out there and share the hope of Jesus with those around you. Or perhaps you've never known the experience of God being with you. And you want to ask him today if he really is real and really is that loving. If any of those sound like you, we would love to pray for you in just a minute. But whichever it is, this Advent, we wait together in hope for God's kingdom to be fully brought into this hurting world and for his presence to be brightly, fully established among us. And while we wait, we know that God is with us now and to the very end of the age. Why don't you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are with us. Thank you that you showed us your will for the world through Jesus. Thank you for the amazing difference Jesus made to the lives that he touched. And I pray this afternoon for anyone who longs to feel God with them in their situation. Lord, would you bless them and would you draw near to them? And Father, would you send us out 
to bring glimpses of your kingdom here in East Fife. Would you empower us to bring peace and to heal the sick? More of you, Jesus, for each and every one of us this Advent. Amen.